This is going to be a great time. I'm very excited uh, to have the opportunity to do this. Um, let me look up a passage here real quick. Look at Psalm 34. Look at verse 15. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. I don't know about you all, but I am so thankful that God, he watches us, he observes us, and he is ready to hear our prayer. But we don't know, we really don't know how to pray if we don't know God's word. We don't know how to live if we don't know God's word. We don't know how to minister. We don't know how to interact if we don't know God's word. And so this idea of studying God's word, it's so important. And we've got a lot of material to get through. So what I want to begin with is this, nine principles for Bible reading. And I'm going to be using several sources for our How to Study the Bible series. Some of it is going to come from Mark Trotter's new book, How to Study the Bible. And that's very much the material that we have been through before, but he has expanded it. He has expanded it. Um, And so, man, it's so good. I can't wait to show you a bunch of those things. But there are several other sources that I'm using. One of my sources is our friend James Knox. And I listened to a message that he preached at his church, and it's nine principles for Bible reading. And I started taking notes on it. And I thought, hang that, I'm just going to point by point teach you what Brother Knox taught in that message. It was so good. So I might have rephrased a couple of the sentences, but this is Brother Knox's material. And you're going to, you'll hear him, those of you who listen to him preach, you'll hear him in this. Um, You cannot study God's Word without knowing how to read it. Now that, that may seem very elementary, But I think by the time we're done with this, we're going to see, well, maybe I've not been reading it the way I should have been reading it. So let's let's dive in. Number one. Number one, read knowing the Bible is a spiritual book. Read knowing the Bible is a spiritual book. So open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 2. And what I can't wait when we're done with this series, and even as we're going through it, because it's going to take a little while to get through this material, um, I can't wait for you to come to me and say, Pastor, look what I found. Look what I found in God's Word. Look what, look what I've seen. Look what I'm learning. I, I just can't wait for that to happen. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and look at verse 11. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. And the example that Brother Knox used was, you know, people, they talk to their dog. 
as if their dog understands what they're saying. And then the dog is up in the middle of the night barking. And you're trying to figure out why is this dog barking? If that dog was able to communicate, it's Jimmy? He's in the well? You, you can't understand your dog. I mean, I struggle enough understanding my wife, and she struggles enough understanding me. I understand men. I don't understand women. Women. You understand women. You don't understand men. And you ladies have said that to your husband how many times? You need to watch out for her. I know what she's doing. And all the ladies said, you know because you know women. The only way that you can know God is through the Spirit of God. And the only way you can understand his book is by understanding that it is a spiritual book. This, this is interesting. Look at, look at letter A there. You do not need help. I'm sorry. You do not need the help of God to read a novel, the sports page. Now, you young people don't even know what the sports page is, but the rest of us do. To read a novel, the sports page, Shakespeare. You don't need the help of God to understand that. You do need the help of God to understand the Word of God, the Bible. Letter B. To understand the Bible, you must know the author. To understand the Bible, you must know the author. Now, I'm sure you all are are just like me. You have an author that you enjoy, and it's fun listening to that author be interviewed about a book that they've written. Um, That's fun. (laughs) uh, Lawrence Vance is such a hoot. I'll call him and ask him a question about something. And he said this to me a hundred times. Finally, I'll tell you what I said to him. I asked him a question. He goes, well, it's in my book. Oh, okay. Um, Where? In your book, was it? Finally, I said, I don't have your book memorized. I'm calling you because I don't know the answer. What's the answer? (laughs) It's fun to be able to know the author of some of this work. That's fun. Boy, how cool is it to know the author of the Bible? And see, to understand it, we have to understand. And to understand the Bible, you must know the author. Now, this is, look at the next verse with me. Verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God. Why? That we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. God gave us his spirit so that we could know the things that come from God. Now, you all are here. The reason that you all are here is because you want to know God's word better. That's why we're here. That's the whole heartbeat behind this. Well, the only way that we can know God's word better is to know God better. And we could illustrate that in many different ways. If you were reading a letter from, let's say, Jim McDermott, and you're trying to understand what he's talking about, you would probably show that letter to Deb and say, what does he mean here? Oh, when he says that, he means. Right? Somebody who knows you would know what you mean by that. When we're reading the Bible, we can go to the Holy Spirit and say, what did the Father mean? And what's the Holy Spirit going to say? What he means, and how is he going to do that? How is the Holy Spirit going to do that? He's going to direct you to other portions of Scripture that explain that passage of Scripture. 
But in order to understand the Bible, you must know the author. But he gave it to us so that we could know. This is interesting. When the Old Testament writers completed their work, they did not understand what they had written. When the Old Testament writers completed their work, they did not understand what they had written. You know, sometimes we think, man, I'd love to talk to Isaiah. Do you know what Isaiah would say? Hmm? How do we know that? Go to 1 Peter. Keep, keep a marker there in 1 Corinthians. We'll probably end up back there eventually. 1 Peter chapter 1. All right, look at verse 10. Of which salvation, so that's the salvation that we have received, it's joy unspeakable, full of glory. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto them or you. That's a big difference, right? Look at the next verse. Searching, so they're, they're seeking, they're trying to understand. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it tested beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Unto whom it was revealed, that's the prophets who were searching, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you, by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, look at this, which things the angels desire to look into. So here's Isaiah. He's writing Isaiah chapter 53. And didn't Brett Bartlett do a tremendous job for us between man camp and preaching? But that, that Isaiah 53, just every time I read through that or someone preaches it, like we saw this morning, that the word is manifested by preaching. It's made plain. It's opened up by preaching. When Isaiah wrote that, that's what this is talking about. God, what are, what are you talking about, the suffering of Christ and the glory? What are you talking about? That's not for you. That's not for you. The writer, the one that God had write it down to communicate it to Israel and preserved it for us, did not understand it without the help of God. It's vital that we understand that. All right, then. First Corinthians, or first, that 1 Corinthians 2.12, go back to 1 Corinthians with me. So I read this a second ago. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, that we might know. God wants us to know. But look at letter E. Only saved people can understand the Bible. Only saved people can understand the Bible. Now remember, because of the way that we are raised, I promise multiple people in the room the thought they had, well, that's not fair. That's not fair. What do those people need to do? They need to get saved, then they can believe, and they can understand the Bible. God, God wants to give it. One of the, um, I spent a bunch of time on that uh, Psalm 119, verse 18. Uh, Open thou mine eyes that I might behold wondrous things out of thy law. Um, one of the writers talked about the wondrous things of the gospel and how, how free salvation is. It's as free as air. It's as free as the light. It's, that's how, the air that we breathe, you don't have to pay for that. The light that comes in from the sun, that's, that's, how, that's how free salvation is. 
There's nothing you can do to get that heir. There's nothing you can do to get that son. It's an absolute gift from God. That's how free salvation is. Isn't that, isn't that just a wonderful thought? That's how free it is. And God wants everyone to be... It's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's God's will that they be saved because he wants to communicate with them. And they cannot understand him until they're born again. Look at our, look at our text. Verse 13. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Now don't forget that there are three men in the Bible. There's the natural man, that's the lost man apart from Christ. There's the spiritual man, that's the saved man walking in the Spirit. And there's the carnal man. That's the saved man living like the lost man. Okay? Natural man's the lost man. Spiritual man's the saved man walking in the spirit. Carnal man is the saved man living like the lost man. Look at, uh, look at chapter 3 and verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. So there's another person that can't understand the Bible, and that's the carnal man. The, natural, the lost man can't understand the Bible. The saved man living like the lost man can't understand the Bible. And we're going to be breaking that down a little bit more. All right, so only saved people can understand the Bible. Then, number two. Number two. This is going to... This is, sounds like it's from the Department of Redundancy Department. Read the Bible itself. Read it. Read the Bible. What do we mean? It's fine to read books about the Bible, but read the Bible first. It's great to hear preaching about the Bible, but read the Bible. Read the Bible itself. Um, this, look, look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We looked at this this morning. You all will notice some overlap from this morning on some of this. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, look at verse 12. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. Not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. But their minds were blinded, for until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. So, there, so when you read the Old Testament, there's a veil over it. You can't really understand everything that's going on. But since Christ came and he revealed the New Testament, now we can understand the Old Testament. We know what was going on. I use this illustration all the time. It's just, why would God use the serpent in the wilderness, look and live, to be a picture of Jesus Christ on the cross? You look at that, why would he use the serpent to picture Christ? Because 2 Corinthians 5.21, He who knew no sin was made to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. On the cross, if you could have seen with spiritual eyes, Jesus would have looked just like Satan. He would have looked just like sin because he became that for us. But you can't understand that without 2 Corinthians 5.21. That veil is moved away. Now, of course, this veil is talking about the Jews 
And like Ben Shapiro, he says, we call the New Testament the fiction section. He's got a veil over his eyes. And I really recommend you watch uh, John MacArthur giving him the gospel from Isaiah 53. Oh, man, it was amazing. It was fantastic. So he's heard the truth. We need to pray for him. But that veil is there. We need to understand that we have a veil of ignorance and a veil of sin and a veil of, la- of, of uh, laziness. We need to have that veil removed and for God to reveal his word. We do that when we read the Bible itself. Um, look at verse 16. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. So that's, that's Israel. Now, God has taken the veil away. Praise God. You see that on your handout? Letter eight. God has taken the veil away. It's gone. Praise God for that. In other words, that hiddenness, the Daniel, the, in the book of Daniel, it's seal up the prophecy. It's not an open vision. Now it is. God has opened all of that up for us. All right? Letter B. I can understand what I read. I can understand what I read. I mean, sometimes you need a dictionary or whatever. Well, of course. But the Bible is written in a way that if you will invest the time, you can understand it. So I can understand what I read, letter C, but I must read it. I must read it. I'm going to make a point about that in a, in a little while in one of the far, further one of the points below. But how many of you think that this is kind of common sense right here? That to understand it, you have to read it. Don't raise your hand. How many of you read it? Do you read it like you really do care? Like you really love it? Like you really want to know? And can I confess to you? I have not. And so a part of this study is, I, I want to, and I'm not going to tell you how soon, but I want to read through my Bible cover to cover while I'm doing this study and just see what God does with that. And that it's going to take extra work and extra time. Here's the good news. That's my job. Okay. I, I could take all day and do nothing but read the Bible. And how many of you are going to get mad at me if I do that? Right? If, if you're supposed to be designing a transmission, they're going to be pretty mad if you're just reading the Bible. But all of us, we need to make it a commitment to read it. And, and not just a verse or two, but to really dive in and read it. We're going to talk some more about that. Look at Isaiah 34. This is such a great passage. Isaiah 34, 16. Isaiah 34 and verse 16. Seek ye out the book of the Lord and read. You see that? Isn't that a a great challenge for us? Seek ye out the book of the Lord and read. So, number one on your handout, seek and read. Seek and read. Do you all have a Bible? Do you have a Bible? If you have a Bible, say amen. amen. Read it. Read it. Seek and read. Then, look at Acts chapter 17 and verse 11. Nine principles on how to read the Bible. Acts 17, 11. 
These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures how often? Daily. So write that down, daily. Read daily. Read daily. Now, I want you to notice a couple of things in this verse, and we quote it all the time because that's, my, that's, that's your responsibility. When I teach the Bible, your responsibility is to compare what I say to Scripture and believe Scripture. That's, that's, that's your job. But notice it says, with readiness of mind, readiness of mind. And so I want to challenge you. Okay, so last night I couldn't sleep. I had all of this on my mind. I had to cram a bunch of stuff to get it all done because I was at the meeting in New Philadelphia. Got all kinds of things going on. And so about 3 o'clock this morning, I finished this handout. About 3 o'clock this morning. And then when I did go to bed, I didn't sleep well because I'm, I'm running through all of these things in my brain all night while I'm trying to sleep. So if I were where you are, I would be agreeing with everything the preacher says. My challenge to you all, and especially you young people, first of all, parents, I know that you know this, but your teenagers need more sleep than they get to develop their minds and to... I mean, I was supposed to be 6'4", but I didn't get enough sleep. No, that's not it. But secondly, go to bed on Saturday night. Come to church, prayed up, prepared, ready to listen with readiness of mind, not dullness of mind. Of course, we're the ones that give you donuts before you come in. You have a carb crash during the sermon. But you have to read it daily, and then you hear it with that readiness of mind. All right, I need to keep moving. Look at 1 Timothy 4.13. I've got a stamp in my office that I, or a seal that has my name on it and then this verse that I seal my books with. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and look at verse 13. Till I come, give attendance to what? Reading, to, exhortor- to exhortation, to doctrine. But till I come, give attendance to reading. All right, so do you see your, your blank there on number three? Give attendance to it. Give attendance to it. What does that mean? You show up. You show up to read. Give attendance. Attend. Read it. Be there. Read, read, read. Make an appointment with yourself and do it. All right? So to, to understand the Bible, the first thing that you need to do is read it. All right? Then number three. Number three. Read the Bible as it is in truth, the Word of God. Read the Bible as it is in truth, the Word of God. I know some of you might be thinking, Pastor, this is so elementary. I don't know. I think that many times when I'm reading the Bible, I need to remind myself these are the very words of God. Now, look at what happens when you read it as the Word of God. 1 Thessalonians For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. So look at your, look at your handout there. 
If you read as a skeptic, it will not help you. If you read as a skeptic, it will not help you. I've had people say, I read the Bible. didn't do anything for me. Well, you didn't believe it. You didn't believe it. If you read it as a skeptic, it will not help you. How about this? If you read as a critic, it will not help you. Man, I read the Bible, and God's the greatest despot that's ever lived. You ever hear somebody say that? Most of this stuff is the new atheists. Most of the people who make those statements have never read the Bible. They saw some cute little lines on the Internet, right? But, but if you read as a skeptic, it will not help you. If you read as a critic, it will not help you. Read it, believe it, and it will change you. It will change you. Ladies, I know you've been trying to change your husband. It's not going to work. The only thing that will change your husband is the Word of God. It will change you. Look at Romans chapter 3. Laura and I were talking about something the other day. She said, well, you're 57 years old. I don't see you changing. You know, it's, one of these days I would love to be the kind of person that's very scheduled, does things, you know, just schedule, 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 schedule. And I, I've said it every year for 30 years that we've been married. It hadn't happened yet. I guess I need to find out how to work in a way that, that works for me. Just do more than what I do. There are some things about you that are not going to change. But the things that God wants to change in you, he will. He will. Look at Romans chapter 3 and verse 3. For what if some did not believe? Shall, shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid. Yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. As it is written, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings and mightest overcome when thou art judged. But if our righteousness commend the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unrighteous who taketh vengeance? I speak as a man. God forbid, for then how shall God judge the world? See, we need to understand that whether or not people believe in God's truth, it's still true. It's still true. But when you believe it, it changes you. It changes you. Letter D, man, this is such a good statement. This is such a good statement. Doubt closes the door of truth. Doubt closes the door of truth. Remember what the first Thessalonians passage said, which effectually worketh in you that believe. When you believe the Bible, that's when it works in you. I actually said Bible like him right there. Didn't even mean to. The Bible. Letter E. There is only one safe rule for your life. What did God say? There is only one safe rule for your life. What did God say? Have you all ever listened to Brother Knox when he was young? Now he's got this elocution and every word is pronounced. Man, he had the most hillbilly accent when he was preaching when he was young. It's kind of fun. We'll have to mock him the next day. He's coming in February. Did you all know he's preaching for us in February? So that's going to be fun. All right, number one. Not how do I feel about it. Remember, I have to believe it. It's not how I feel about the text. I, if, if when you're reading something and you feel, man, God's unfair here. I don't think I like this. Who needs to change? Right? Not how I feel about it. And it's not what does society say about it. You know, the Bible says that men are supposed to be the head of the home. The husband's supposed to be the head of the, of the wife. What does society think about that? It does not matter. The man is to be the head of the wife. It doesn't matter what society says. 
John MacArthur, somebody asked him, uh, what would you say, a big, you know, 10,000 people there, what would you say to Beth Moore? Go home. How many of you think that was a popular thing for him to say? There are a bunch of Southern Baptists that wanted to be the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. The president of the Southern Baptist Convention preaches at all their meetings. People are nuts. You see, if society says one thing and the Bible says another, believe the Bible. Believe the Bible. Is the Bible clear about that, about women preachers? Let's just look at it just to make sure. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 2. Just in case there's any questions. Verse 11. Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer, that's allow, but I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. Is, is that hard to understand? No. So when society says one thing and the Bible says another, believe the Bible. Not how do I feel about it, not what does society say about it. What has God said? What has God said? What he said is written down in this book. We have it. We can believe it. We can trust it. So read the Bible as it is in truth, the word of God. Number four, read the Bible prayerfully. Read the Bible prayerfully. This is the passage we looked at this morning. Open thou, Lord, open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Read the Bible prayerfully. Letter A, give your heart to its author. Give your heart to its author. You know, I don't know. Do young people write letters to each other anymore? Or is it just texts? Do, do, they're, so their messages, they're just very short messages. Um, it's interesting. When you're reading something from someone you love, you give them grace. Right? You, you, love always thinks the best. Love endures all things. Love or charity believes all things. Charity endures all things. Charity hopes all things. That love that gives, that you're investing in someone, it changes the way that you interact with them. So wives who have husbands with strong personalities like me, you know, personality like a dentist drill, some would say. It, here, here's what happens. I'll say something to someone. And they'll say something to Laura. And what Laura will do is she will interpret my harsh speech through her love to help me. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You see, if I love the author of the Bible and I read hard words, I read... The joins are laughing over there. That's hilarious. I wasn't going to say it. You guys brought it up. (laughs) Andy, I love you, man. This is such an important deal. If I really give my heart to God as the author of God's word, 
when I come to those hard sayings, the things that Peter talked about Paul's writings, some of which are hard to be understood, I view those through that love and that charity, and they can change me. It's so important. I read the Bible prayerfully. Give your heart to its author. Cry out to its author. Cry out to its author. And there's some things that we're going to pray to God as we read. Number one, Lord, I trust you. I trust you. Um, So when I was a very young man, early 20s, I got a book called The Encyclopedia of Bible Difficulties by a guy named Gleason Archer. And in the introduction to that book, he lays down some principles for, for handling Bible difficulties. And one of them was believe that there's an answer. Isn't that good? Believe that there's an answer. If something seems to be a contradiction, it's, it's, there's not a contradiction in the Bible. It's your understanding of it. Now, of course, he would go on and talk about bad translation of words and stuff, which, of course, we would not. But, but that principle, I've never forgotten that principle. There is an answer. I just need to find the answer. And I might not know that answer until I go to heaven. But I trust the author, and I cry out to him, Lord, I trust you. Number two, Lord, I depend on you. I don't want to lean on my own understanding as I read the Bible. Lord, I trust you. I depend on you. I'm going to mess this up. Remember the apostle Peter? We have a more sure word of prophecy. More sure than what? He was on the Mount of Transfiguration. He saw Jesus reveal some of his glory. That's a thing that I've got to get Mark Trotter to change in his book. It said that Jesus revealed his full glory on the Mount of Transfiguration. The earth and the heavens would have fled away if he had done that, Revelation chapter 20. So it's just interesting how our words can, you got to be careful. When we describe God, we got to be careful. But when he's on the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus Christ is transfigured before him, and he's speaking with Moses and Elijah about about his decease, which he would accomplish. Remember, the death of Christ is not a tragedy, it's an accomplishment. And Peter didn't know what to say, so he said it. This is good that we're here. Let's build three tabernacles. And God speaks from heaven. This is my son. Hear him. How about that? So you get to 1 Peter. And what did Peter do? He identifies himself as a witness of the sufferings of Christ. What did he do when he witnessed the sufferings of Christ? He messed it up. And denied Christ. What did he do when he witnessed the transfiguration of Christ? What did he do? He messed it up. Why did he deny Christ? Why did he deny Christ? Because he thought the kingdom was coming. Jesus had just said, many of you will not taste death till you see the man come, Son of Man come in his glory. He's on the Mount of Transfiguration. He understood Bible prophecy. This is your coming. Now you're going to tabernacle with us. Let's build the tabernacles. The kingdom's here. Let's start. Peter misunderstood the audible voice of God by his own reasoning, by his own thoughts. He was not dependent. When Jesus said, I've got to die. I'm going to go to the cross and die. Be it not so, Lord. Get thee behind me, Satan. He relied on himself. He thought he knew what was going on. He thought he understood. We need to read the Bible prayerfully. Lord, I trust you. Lord, I depend on you. Number three. Any of you, have, any of you ever say this? I do all, all the time. Every time I'm studying, Lord, I'm not smart enough to grasp this book. I am not smart enough to grasp this book. 
I read and I pray and then I call Jeff Faggard, I call Brother Knox, I call Brother Vance, and yes, I even call Dalton. And we'll talk and we'll, we'll, how have you handled this text? Talk to me about where, and what they always do. All, anybody that I would trust, they point me to another passage of scripture. They point me to the, Lord, I'm not smart enough to do this. Pray, tell God that. Then how about this? Lord, I can't remember it. How many of you would be honest and say that that's your prayer? Lord, I can't remember. You know, the Lord will help you remember it. What's the Holy Spirit going to do? Bring all things to your remembrance. I have been in situations where God brings Scripture to my memory. And I know that it's God doing it because I didn't have the capacity at that moment. God will do it. Lord, I can't remember it. Read the Bible prayerfully. And then, Lord, just please help me. Help me as I study this. Help me to know your mind. Help me not to mess up your word. Help me not to, to teach false doctrine. Lord, please help me. Then, number five, read the Bible obediently. Read the Bible obediently. Boy, this one's important, isn't it? The Word of God demands complete obedience to all its commands and teachings. The Word of God demands complete obedience to all its commands and teachings. Letter B. Disobedience, like doubt, closes the door of truth. Disobedience, like doubt, closes the door of truth. Okay, once you have your thing filled out there, everybody look up here at me. How many of you, you're growing in the Lord, you're learning something, and you're starting to get into the deep things of God? It might be the difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. We'll just use that as an illustration. Some of you don't know what that is yet. We'll get into that in, in, in future lessons. Because that's the key to understanding your New Testament. So the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. And you sit down with someone that's away from God and you start talking to them about it. And they look at you like you've got three heads. I just don't, I don't see it. I, that's just, I just don't think that that's, that's just an example. How many of you, you're learning something from the Bible and you go to someone that you know is a believer, but is away from God and either they're not interested or they can't comprehend it. Has that happened to you? Yes, because obedience is a vital part of your growth and understanding of God's word. Disobedience, like doubt, closes the door of truth. Number one, if I obey what I see today, God will grant me further light tomorrow. If I obey what I see today, God will grant me further light tomorrow. Conversely, if I disobey what I see today, further light will be denied tomorrow. Obedience is the issue. Letter C. In Scripture, whenever someone got off of the right path, they had to go back to that spot and return to the right path. So imagine Brother Knox used the illustration of, a, of an auto mechanic, and this person wants to learn how to be a mechanic, but they don't listen to anything the guy says. How long is that guy going to keep teaching? Not going to. If you're not going to listen, I'm not doing this. I'm not going to invest my time in it. I am not going to listen. That's exactly what God says. If you're not going to obey, if you're not going to listen to what I tell you, I am going to hide that further light from you. My light is a, is a gift. It's grace. I'm going to withhold that grace from you unless you're obedient. For example, the prodigal son. When the prodigal son came to himself, what did he have to do? He had to go back to his father and confess what he had done. He had to go back to the place where he had gotten off. All of you teachers know this. 
that especially if you have a prerequisite before you can do I'm going to go way outside of my purview here. Let's just pretend this is true. Before you can do trigonometry, you need to know geometry. Is that a true statement? Yeah. How about this? Before you can do, be an engineer, you have to know math. Is that good? If you fail math and you're an engineer, what do you do? You work for ODOT. There he is back there. Oh, that's fantastic. We all understand this in our lives. There are certain things, there are certain lessons that some people never get past. And until you, until you learn that lesson, you'll never get ahead in life. That's just reality. The prodigal son is one example. Look at this. There is no compulsory promotion. Y'all know what that is? There are some states where you, you can't fail a grade. You're gonna, they're going to advance you no matter what. In the Bible, there's no compulsory promotion. Either you learn the lesson through obedience, or you're going to keep having that lesson over and over and over again. It's just the reality of it. Obedience is vital. Look at Job 34, 32. So when, when Brother Knox pointed this verse out and I read it, I want to spend some more time studying this passage and understanding this verse more um, because this is Elihu speaking. And notice what it says, Job 34 and verse 32. It says, That which I see not, teach thou me. If I have done iniquity, I will do no more. That which I see not, teach thou me. If I have done iniquity, I will do no more. This is the way we should pray to God. Lord, show me. Search me and know my heart. Try me and know my ways and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This is the, we pray this to God. And, and here's the deal that we make with God. God, you teach me, I'll obey. Remember what discipleship is. A disciple is one who follows with the goal to learn and learns with the intent to obey. That doesn't mean perfect obedience. It means our heart's desire is obedience. It's a big difference. Really important. All right? Learning the word is not sufficient. Is not sufficient. Obedience is required. Learning the word is not sufficient. Obedience is required. Um, I'm discipling with Dave Spicer, and we looked at this verse last Thursday. Look at John 7, 17. All right, look at what Jesus said, John 7, 17. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. If you want to understand doctrine, be obedient to the doctrine that he teaches you. That's, that's what Jesus said. It's very clear in the scriptures. Number five, read the Bible repeatedly. Read the Bible repeatedly. Give yourself to it over and over again. Just immerse yourself in the Word. Just read it again and again and again and again. Read it. 
repeatedly. Letter B, it is the only book, I mentioned this this morning, it is the only book in the world that gets bigger the more you read it. It's the only book in the world that gets bigger the more you read it. It's funny, I was at my uncle's wedding, and my sister Linda was little, and we were at the reception, and they had a a grilled cheese sandwich for her. And she didn't want to eat the grilled cheese. And so my grandmother said to her, well, you need to eat it. Here, let me help you. And she cut it into fours. And Lydia got, or Linda got so upset. She said, now there's more. (laughs) We alters are math whizzes. I can tell you that. (laughs) Is that awesome? The difference with the Bible is when you read it, and it gets bigger, you say, there's more. There's more. It's fantastic. What a, what a blessing the Bible is. Read it repeatedly. Then, letter C, the greater my capacity for truth grows, the more truth is available to me. The greater my capacity for truth grows, the more truth is available to me. Man, I, I just praise God. I've mentioned it twice today. I'm 57 years old. And I feel like I'm learning more now in my life than ever before from the Word of God. It's, it's the, you just keep building and building and building and building, and it just gets deeper and deeper and bigger, and I find stuff I've never seen before. Number one, cross-references become clear to you. Cross-references become clear to you. Number two, types become clear to you. Types. What is a type? We'll, we'll, we'll spend more time on that. But that illustration that I used earlier as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. That serpent in the wilderness was a type. It was a picture of Jesus before Jesus Christ came to earth. Types. That's the, and these types become clear to you. You start seeing them all over the Bible. They're everywhere in the Bible. Because why? For the Jews, prophecy was pattern. For us, prophecy is prediction. For the Jew, prophecy is pattern. It, you, you start seeing it. Letter, number three, context becomes clear to you. Uh, Who's that written to? The Jew, the Gentile, or the church of God? That's the context. Context becomes clear to you. When you're reading something and it tells you you a part of the Jewish law, well, praise God, that's not for me. I don't have to do that. Number four, life illustrations become plenteous. Life illustrations become plenteous. Um, I can't remember where I've said what, but uh, years ago I was in a wedding in New Jersey And one of the guys that was a guest at the wedding was a really wealthy real estate guy from Beverly Hills, from from out in California. And um, he was going to stay at the Waldorf Astoria, and he asked if a buddy of mine and me wanted to go to New York and stay at the Waldorf. I said, well, sure. And I'll never forget, he ordered room service coffee, and it was like $11 for a little thing of coffee. And I thought, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Um, but we spent time, his name was Stan, we spent time walking around New York City with him, and I've never been with someone who Scripture just flowed just as a part of his regular conversation. It just came out. There's a pastor in, in Toledo, his name's Jonathan Marshall, and he's the same way when I talk, just Scripture just comes out of him. That's what Bible reading does. We become so familiar with it that it just becomes a part of our regular and daily speech. Life illustrations become plenteous. Then, read the Bible consecutively. Read the Bible consecutively. Go to Luke chapter 24.
We looked at these passages in the Sunday school hour, Luke chapter 24. Verse 27, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Beginning at Moses and the prophets. That's Genesis. So read the Bible consecutively. Read it the way that God gave it to you. Read through it successively. There are a lot of people that have never read through the Old Testament. Read it consecutively. Um, Look at verse 44. It's the same situation. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Now, that's the way that the Jews would describe the whole Old Testament. Read it consecutively. Read it consecutively. Read it in order, and God will bless you for it. Uh, A good way to read is to, to read, you know, in the morning, read... Old Testament, in the evening, read New Testament. Or read a little bit from the New Testament, a little bit from the beginning, and read through it that way. It's a wonderful way to read. Read it consecutively. You'll understand it better to see that unfolding uh, story of redemption and in Christ's return. Number eight, read the Bible patiently. This is so important. Read the Bible patiently. Patiently. Y'all don't miss this. It's so important. All right? So look at your hand out there. Imagine someone asking God to supernaturally impart to them the ability to play the piano without practicing. Wouldn't that be cool? Boom! I can play the piano. That's not what God does. That's not the way it works. I used to tell Phil Edwards that I needed to get my doctorate because someone as smart as me ought to have one. Man, I said that to him once. He, he brought that opinion a hundred times. Yeah, somebody as smart as you. So, because he, he worked like a dog to get this doctorate, and I think I'm just going to get one because I deserve it. Isn't that silly? That, that's, that, that instant world that we live in, I'll have somebody that they'll come to me, and usually at meetings where I've, I've gone through my seven churches or something, is there a book where I can, where this information is one? One book? And I never say that because you'd sound condescending. Um, Anyway, letter B, it will take years of study to learn the Bible. Be patient. Man, if you're at the beginning of this journey, you're about to see some stuff that's going to change your life. I'm just telling you that what you have desired, we're going to teach you. If you'll hang in there through this study, you're going to be able to read the Bible and understand it like you never have before in your life. You're going to be able to understand the preaching like you never have before in your life. But don't get discouraged. It's going to take a while. It's going to take a while. Um, Letter C. This is why pastors cannot rely on four years of Bible college to teach them all they need to know. You know, it's a really sad thing. That's all right. She'll get it. It's a sad thing when preachers don't learn anything after college. And all of us have heard preachers that are like that. They've never grown from that point. The purpose of Bible college is to teach you how to learn for the rest of your life. That's the the point. And the purpose of how to study the Bible is to set you up, what we're doing is to set you up to learn for the rest of your life. But be patient. It's going to take a while. Letter D. An eternal book written by an eternal God cannot be mastered in a few months. An eternal book written by an eternal God 
cannot be mastered in a few months. Number nine, every Baptist's favorite word, lastly, read the Bible knowing that it is God's, look at this, last word to man. It is God's last word to man. This is one of the most important principles of Bible study. When John finished Revelation 22 and put down his pen, God had said all he was ever going to say to man. He was done. There is no continuing revelation from God. He has given it to us. The next revelation is going to be the revelation. He has given us his word. It is finished. Don't miss this. We're done. I mean, we're a, few, a few blanks here, and we're done. This is how we read the Bible. Very important. Letter B. In this world, in this life, God has said all he is ever going to say to you. What am I talking about? Oh, after the funeral, I looked up and I saw some doves in the tree above Mama's grave. And I knew that was Mama coming to say goodbye. Am I making it up? I saw a rainbow. And I knew I'm a leprechaun. You know, whatever. In this world, in this life, God has said all he is ever going to say to you. The Bible is finished. <laughs> Praise God. We're not waiting for another one. It is finished. Okay, so let's look at some verses. Hebrews chapter 1. I always think of John Phillips' commentary on this passage. Hebrews chapter 1, look at verse 1. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. And, and Phillips said, and he had so much more to say. Isn't that good? Look at what it says. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. He spoke by Jesus. Jesus has come, and Jesus is coming back. There's not another Christ coming. There are antichrists. People are going to say low here, low there. But, but there's only one Christ. He has been revealed. Look at Revelation chapter 22 and verse 18. Revelation 22 and verse 18. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man add, shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. Man, I'm just telling you, don't mess with the book. Don't mess with the book. It is finished. Look at Isaiah chapter 8. Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 20. To the law and to the testimony. If they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. Amen? If they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. All right, so let's finish this up. Look at your handout. The prophets are over. They're over. 
There's no one foretelling the future now. Dreams are over. Dreams are over. I have dreams. I don't know if I've ever slept without a dream. That is not authoritative in my life. You do not want to know what I dream about. I can promise you that. Dreams are over. Three, signs are over. Signs are over. Number four, similitudes are over. What, what is that? They're trying to find something that, that, that proves Scripture outside of Scripture. That's, similitudes are over. Visions are over. Visions are over. Man, I, I, I get on my YouTube feed, I get, you know, my vision about Donald Trump. Thanks. Didn't watch it. Number six, apostles are over. Ephesians, or the church at Ephesus, have tried them which say they're an apostles and are not, but have found them liars. There aren't any apostles. They're done. They're done. It's all done. The Bible is finished. It's so important. You can only trust the Bible. Don't trust preachers. Don't trust teachers. Don't trust commentaries. Don't trust visions. Don't trust dreams. Trust the Bible. Number one, you can't trust man. You can't trust man. You can't trust voices. I had a, I had a vision. And God told me. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. You can't trust voices. Number three, you can't trust feelings. The Bible says your heart will deceive you. You can't trust feelings. Number four, you can't trust impressions. Brother Knox gave a couple of illustrations on the impressions. He said, you know, the Lord impressed me to give the gospel to this person. Listen, no, he told you to. Preach the gospel to every creature. If you didn't have the impression, are you not supposed to give the gospel to that person? Brother Knox, the Lord impressed me to pray for you. Well, we're supposed to pray for all men. But if you didn't have the impression, are you not going to pray for me? Now, if your impression aligns with Scripture, well, yeah, God wants you to give the gospel to that person. If your impression says to pray, well, yes, God wants you to pray. But see, we end up with haves and have-nots in the body of Christ. There are some people, you're very spiritual, you have a lot of feeling, and you know, you can just feel in your innermost being, this is what you're supposed to do. And then there's people like me. The robot. And you just do it because the Bible says do it. That's what you're supposed to do. Listen, we can't trust it. Listen, you can't trust, we can't trust your abundance of feelings, and we can't trust my lack of... If it was up to me, I'd never give the gospel to anybody. Right? Just go to hell. God tells us to do that. God tells us to. God commands us to have love one for another. I set my affection. I do that on purpose. Not because I, I promise you. It's not because I feel it. It's because God tells us to. Are you all with me on this? Yeah. All right. Sounds like Shelby County, doesn't it? All right. Number five. You can't trust spine-tingling experiences. You can't trust it. They'll lie to you. Glorifying God by studying his word. How many of you believe, you honestly believe now, you might read God's word a little better? 